Welcome into Garage Talk, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us in, uh, joining in with us again. Um, today I have uh, Michael Hilliard. Did I pronounce that right, Michael? Did indeed. All right, perfect. Michael, and you are in Australia, yes? I am in Australia. So before we get started, Michael, please, uh, you off the air, you were giving me some background, and I was actually really interested in it, and I, I want to get a little bit uh, of that background on the air if I can. So um, tell us a little bit about what you do, how you got into it. So my, uh, I run the politics, po geopolitics podcast, The Red Line. Uh, we're effectively a deep dive podcast, so we do... Uh, one big subject each fortnight, so whether it be the war in Yemen or the South Sudanese civil war or the Russian hypersonic missile program, but we get a panel of experts in each each uh, fortnight, and we've had guests from you, know, the CIA, MI6, uh, Oxford, Harvard, Cambridge, uh, you know, the Rand Corporation, uh, you know, all these amazing biggest experts you could possibly ask for, even the White House has come on the show. Uh, just to do a big deep dive into one subject, and, you know, whether it be Afghanistan and just really nut it out for uh, an hour and a bit. So that's that's the show I run. Uh, myself, I, I do a lot of writing and, uh, you know, advisory work for some governments and state governments and geopolitics. And, uh, yeah, generally I'm a very boring person who has a lot of cardigans. <laughs> so lately, um, lately with everything that's going on in the world, and I, I was actually on a, another podcast where uh, – I was on with a, a man from Ghana. Uh, the host was from Ghana. I'm in California in the United States. And he, uh, he had another guest on who was in the Netherlands, but from Britain. And we were kind of discussing on his podcast just the, what's happening kind of right now across the world. And, and my take is so that you have a little bit, bit, a little bit of background on me. I, I've been in healthcare for um, uh, 24 years. Uh, I, I teach in a healthcare program. I actually run the program. Um, I have my doctorate's in education. I have a master's in healthcare admin. Um, and I've been really watching what's happening in the United States and specifically in California uh, because it's kind of, it seems to me like it's going a little off the deep end with some of the stuff that, that we're doing out here. And I don't know if maybe the same kind of stuff is happening across the country um, or across the world, across the country. You're not in the country, uh, across the world. Uh, so tell me a little bit, what's going on? What's going on where you are right now? We're on a lockdown. So, obvi so obviously every country is very, very different. Um, you know, it, it, Australia is a completely different kettle of fish to the United States. We actually got away from this fairly easily. So we've only had a death count of 54 so far. Uh, and in fact, today uh, we had less than 100 new cases appear in the country, which is a huge milestone for us. Um, you know, because we're an island, we got to this thing fairly early. Uh, and our response has been, you know, effectively our government has done the great, pretty good economic mashes to keep everyone home. Uh, this disease is flattened out pretty well. We'd be one of the front runners for uh, the response to this thing. Uh, the U.S. is a very different kettle of fish. You guys have some rough weeks coming up, um, but for Australia, uh, there's not there's kind of a lockdown. Like we're not allowed to go to events. We're not allowed to. Uh, do too many things, but I can still go to the shops. I can still walk around. I can still go for exercise. Uh, I can even still, I still pop into my office once every couple of days to sort out stuff. But I generally, everyone's being paid to work from home uh, is how our government's responding to this. So, so out here, what's happening is, and I mean, I guess, let me start with, um, what is the population or approximate population of Australia as a country? So we're about 25 million. Uh, my state is about uh, 4 million, uh, about 2.5 million in the city I'm living in. But the difference is that our city, where I live in Perth, 
the Perth is the size of Buenos Aires, but it has one tenth the population. So, uh, you know, it's very similar to how your houses are, you know, in Arizona, that kind of area where it's you're very big houses and you can afford to kind of have a four bedroom house with two people. Um, you know, so it's not like Italy or, or New York where they're all on top of each other in apartments. You know, we actually have a backyard and we're quite spread out and, and diseases take a little longer to bounce around than other places. Right. So, so I look at it and I've been trying to explain to people because out, I don't know what the media is like out there, but out here, the media is a, a little bit crazy. Um, with the way that they explain the numbers and the way they try and, and, and tell people what's happening and how to be scared and, and what to be scared of. And, uh, and they use the total numbers. And right now, I mean, the United States, we have the, we have, we're on top with the total numbers of, uh, of total cases. Um, but we also have a population in the United States of somewhere in the neighborhood of 370 million people. So yes. I, try, I keep trying to explain to to people, um, and I'm, I apologize. I'll apologize in advance because I'm going to head towards a little conspiracy theory for a minute. Um, I keep trying Sorry. to explain to people um, that you have to look at the the number per million population um, because we're look, we got to look at percentages. We can't look, you know, if you have one person in Australia and that one person's infected, and the rest of the world is in the United States, obviously our numbers are going to be higher. Our total cases are going to be higher. So what is it, if you can tell me or if you have an opinion, what is it about the media, uh, and I think this happens across the world, that is really focusing on the fear? Yes, I think this is generally terrifying everyone. I mean, it's, it's a huge interruption. So, for instance, looking into pieces on this, you know, you, I watched a lot of the media and a lot of the news reports coming out during SARS or during H1N1, and there wasn't nearly this amount of panic because it, it just it, did, it didn't affect the US nearly as much. Uh, this is a whole other kettle of fish. Now, it is very dangerous to people who, um, you know, who, who are immunocompromised. But the real fear in this thing is that the majority of people are just carriers, which is a huge problem. So effectively, if you have, you know, 10 people, you know, who have it, only two, one to two of them will show symptoms. Yeah. And uh, I've been which, uh, out in the, in the United States right now. We have, um, oh, I, shoot, even worldwide, I think we're a, what, a, a one and a half percent mortality rate so far. Um, maybe closer yeah. to 2%, but still, we're, we are that low in comparison to, to all these other diseases we've dealt with. Now, in healthcare, I've dealt with H1N1 back in 2008, 2009 when it was pandemic and it was a big deal and it seemed a whole lot more serious than this, yet why are we taking such strenuous uh, restrictions? Why are, we, why are we putting these things in place now? So coronavirus is far more infectious and it's also far more aggressive than bird flu was. The trouble we have is the fact that diseases, when they get to mass amount of people and they get to mass amount of uh, areas, do tend to mutate. Now, we don't know if it will, but if it, let's say, does and mutates to, let's say, COVID-20 and the COVID-20 has a 95% kill rate, then that's a whole other kettle of fish and that's very, very dangerous. So... It's you know we're worried that it gets to the next stage. Um, you know it it's it... yeah that's the well big in fear. in some respect this is the next stage. So there are there are somewhere in the neighborhood of four hundred different strains of coronavirus, and this is one that yes. we hadn't seen before. And so this is a new strain of coronavirus. So in in effect this is that mutation. However, uh, like you said earlier, and I agree with you completely, 
um, the risk mm-hmm. is to the risk is to the the elderly patients and those patients who are immunocompromised. Uh, the, they're not the risk is not towards me. I'm a, I'm a fairly healthy person. To me, it's a it's a flu, and and you know that you get the flu shot. The flu is actually there are there are a few strains of coronavirus that account for the flu every year, and so you know when when people talk about right now right now the big buzz thing out here is that, you know in California you might have had the coronavirus back in November, and so you might be immune. Well, the answer to that is yes, but it was the flu. It was a different strain, but nobody's explaining that. So there's a few things there. So first of all, the first case of this comes out on December 19th, and it comes out in, in Wuhan. That was the first reporting. Uh, the trouble that- the first reporting. Uh, but it, they've pretty much they, from the first 48 documented cases, they've all come from this. You know, they've all direct, had very good direct contact with this uh, with this wet market. And I've been to a wet market. I can guarantee they are real and terrifying. Um, the in in what way, if you don't mind? I've never been. So. So my time in China is, is very interesting. So China has these wet markets. Now, they, most people don't eat at them. They're very, they're very niche. The only people who really use these wet markets and eat the, the monkey, the pangolin, the, the, you know, the bat, that kind of stuff, uh, are very, very rich Chinese. We're talking the, the 1% here. Um, and they, because they believe it has, but they believe it has, you know, back in the sixties, yes, people ate bats and everything because it was the only food they can get during the cultural revolution. But today, you know, there's a lot of very rich Chinese people who believe, for instance, that a pangolin will help prevent disease. Uh, so it's a, it, you know, after SARS happened, wet markets were banned and everyone went, yeah, that's a good idea. That was awful. But then it was the very, very rich, very influential members of the Politburo and the very upper crust of the Chinese society who lobbied the government to bring them back because, you know, they believe that the meat of a pangolin will give you this or, or the pan- bats can give you this. And it's very generalized, but yes. But, um, ge- yeah, so effectively what these wet markets are, uh, they breed these animals or they capture them from the local areas. Um, and you'll have, you know, a cage, an, uh, a cage of bats uh, on top of a cage of, of pangolins. And that's exactly what caused this problem, that there was a bunch of pangolins and obviously living in this tiny cage and getting scratched and attacked, there was an infected, bloody, bleeding pangolin that was bleeding onto an infected, bloody, bleeding bat who usually would never meet in, in real life. And obviously those two in, infections mixed and affected on a, corona, on a strain of coronavirus and that's where we've come from from here. Um, the trouble with this thing is, is the fact it's, good, it's got an incredible carrier rate. So, for instance, I, my, my boss uh, back here in Australia is immunocompromised. He has a disease that and if he gets sick, he's going to get really, really, really sick. So, effectively, right now, anything I do with him has to be teleconference. And the one time I have seen him, uh, I actually have my full nuclear radiation masks on because I can't get anywhere near him. For him, it's it's dangerous because here's the thing: I, I could quite likely have it. I I don't probably have it, but due to the fact that the Australian government's been very good about this, but if I could very easily have this disease, not notice it at all, you know, I might just have a tickle in the throat for half a day, and I I'm done with it. Um, but I could give it to him, and he could die from it. That's the panic here: is that everyone, the amount of carriers around the place is uh, is insane. So that's where that's where the real panic and this thing sets in. Is because people. I, I absolutely agree with that. My my concern is is the fear and panic that 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 instills in people, uh, people who are necessar- not necessarily educated in 
how a disease process works or how a virus works. So I, so I could be, or let's take you, you could be, you could have been infected by it. You could have had that scratchy throat for a few days. And a couple weeks later, you've built up the antibodies. You are no longer contagious and no longer susceptible. Correct. So this is, this is the two theories of, of how we deal with this crisis. So there are effectively two methods of, of dealing with a crisis like this. There is what's called herd immunity and there's containment. So containment is what most people are going with, which is everyone stay home, you know, no one can touch each other. And hopefully if we all separate, this thing can't, because the disease need to survive, it needs to bounce between people to keep going. You know, contain, if everyone was to, you know, if everyone was to stand still in place and not move and no one touched and no one looked at anything, we could be done with this thing in 14 days. But that's not how society works. People are going to still move around. That's containment. Containment is... It, the pros of it is is you know, obviously it's better that the least people get it, the less strain it's going to put on the hospital system. Uh, you know, it's it's not flattening the curve theory. But the trouble with it is, if you remember, Spanish flu came in three waves. So the first one hits in nineteen eighteen, the second one in in nineteen, and then another one in twenty. Um, effectively, if we all contain ourselves, and you know, let's say in six months we're done with this thing. And then one person comes over from, you know, Kiribati or, or some country that's had it, and they come into the U.S. We start the whole process all over again. So the other option is herd immunity. So that's how that's how effectively immunizations work. Is effectively if everyone gets it quickly, you know, because once you get the disease, you can't get it again. From what the understanding of the disease is at this point. So effectively, if we all get it, uh, we can effectively, you know, most people will be fine. As long as 60%, as long as somewhere between 60 and 80% of your population get it, the disease can't bounce very well and it burns itself out and we're fine, which is great because we won't get it the second time. But to do that, you have to be willing to sign off that 2 to 3% of your population will die if you go the herd immunity strategy. Now, that for the, that for the US would mean, what, the 6 million Americans dying. And you'd have, like, politically, particularly being election year this year, it would be very hard for Trump to stand on, on, on the podium and say, I am happy for 6 million elderly Americans to die to solve this problem. So that's, that's the two options. The containment strategy is what people are going with mostly, uh, just because they are uh, hoping that someone has a vaccine before the second wave comes in. Uh, countries like uh, Mexico, effectively, uh, South Sudan, uh, Netherlands and Sweden have all gone with herd immunity. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they go with it because effectively they've got to a point where there's no point containing enough of the population's got it. Let's just ride the, sh ride the storm out at this point. Right. And uh, Mexico has actually closed its borders at this point, right? Yes. Mexico has closed the borders to the U.S. Um, and so has Canada. Yeah. So is Canada. In fact, everyone's borders are closed. In fact, even in, in Australia, in, in my state, the borders are so closed that my state border is closed, my national border is closed. But even to the point where, as a, you know, in my state, I can't travel more than half an hour from my house without being uh, fined for it, unless I have a reason or I'm in a specific case. You know, if I'm a freight worker or an army worker or something like that. But generally, uh, they've divided the state, my state, into like 19 regions, and you can't leave your region. That's it. No, no one gets out. Oh, it's like Hunger yes. Games. It really is like Hunger Games, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Yes. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, out here in, in California, what they've done is so so we have I'm in Southern California. So we have uh, San Bernardino County, Riverside County, Orange County, San Diego County, L.A. County and Imperial County. Um, yep. And it's really interesting. Each county is handling it differently. 
So uh, in Riverside County, we were the first ones to require masks. So if you go out of the yep. house, you have to wear a mask or you risk a thousand dollar fine. Um, yeah. And I, I, to this, to this, I got to be honest, to this point, I am still probably the only person out and about that doesn't wear a mask. I, I, you know, I just went mm. to the store this morning and I, I'm the only person that I don't, I don't own a mask. You know, I don't, I don't have a mask yeah. with me. I, I'm not at work. You know, I'm working from home just like you are. So I don't have a mask yeah. and I went online. I'm like, okay, well, let's go online. We'll, we'll take a look at it. My girlfriend went online to go order it, order masks and they won't get here till May. So mm. what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to, I, I, I just, there's a, it, it's really weird. And we were followed then by San Bernardino County who now requires masks. And they're actually just North of us. Um, Orange County, which is directly to the West of me, uh, hasn't everybody, San Diego County, LA County, they've closed the beaches. Orange County, they have done mm. nothing. They they are walking yeah. around as though there's no big deal. So, so regardless of what the the governor uh, Governor Newsom, who's our governor in California, regardless of what the governor says, each county is kind of doing their own thing. Um, and I, I'm not quite sure why they're doing that or why they they why one cares more than the other. I I, I really am not. I'm kind of at a loss for that. It's purely political. Um, you think so? Yeah. People have, yes, it's a purely political thing. Same thing in Australia. Our states are handling it very differently. So our uh, our left-wing states are being very strict on this. They're getting some good measures ahead. Uh, and we push back, push big economic measures through. Um, and the right-wing states tend to be a little more uh, lenient on things. They're letting some, like... Like, it's funny you say that because Orange County and Riverside County are both right-wing counties, but Riverside mm. County is going, in my opinion, overboard with their protection, where Orange yeah. County doesn't seem to care at all. Yeah, it's 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 a purely it's a weird like for instance it, one like uh, New South Wales where Sydney is is they allowed a cruise ship on, to come in and that caused most of the cases, whereas my state Western Australia, which is currently run by uh, our our left-wing uh, major party. Uh, effectively, we told the cruise ships, "Bugger off! If you're gonna, you know, you can uh, be offshore, and we will bring you. If if you have an emergency case, we will bring you ashore under police escort. Uh, effectively, anyone who comes into the state from anywhere, any even interstate or from overseas, is actually taken to an island off our coast, and they all have to live there until for three weeks, and until they until they are cured." Uh, or proven that they don't have, and then they can come ashore. Um, you know, our, host, our hospitals are all contained, but because of it, we are at a point where we're not, the disease is not in the community yet. So no one here is wearing a mask because we can track down to, except six of them, we can track every single case from where it's come from, who they've contacted and where it is. Um, so effectively, it's, it's every, you know, we're very ahead of this thing compared to most people, which is pretty impressive. So what what do you what is your take? We we brought up politically um, the political aspect of it, um, and, and in the United States, okay, election year, I get it. Um, but I, this is a worldwide issue. This is a worldwide thing that we're dealing with. So from a political standpoint, or I, I guess a geopolitical standpoint, what is what is your take on on how we're handling this versus how we handled SARS or H one N one? You know. We, we've passed the SARS death rate at this point worldwide, right? Um, but what, what, is, what is different about how 
the world is handling this from that political standpoint? I think the the biggest difference is the economics of it. I mean, we are going to come out of this with a very, very large recession. We were due for it anyway. All the markets were very overinflated. Uh, the Chinese banks were calling in lots of debt. The AVI markets were absolutely ballistic. Um, but so we were due for a pop of the bubble anyway. But this has just exasperated that. And we will probably end up, if not a, a very bad recession, if not a depression, depending on how the next couple of years play out. The difference here... Uh, it could. I think it's going to be used as, as an excuse, but I think no one saw this coming, and I think it was. It's just, you know, it's made it much worse. You know, it's you know, accidentally spilling petrol on a bunch of carrot, you know, on a bunch of explosives. You know, it's not going to set the explosives off, but when the explosion does happen, it's going to be worse. Um, you know, the U, the difference here economically is is, the, is how different countries are handling it. So, for instance, my country. So Canada, for instance, is paying a wage of $1,200 a fortnight to all its citizens and saying, here's what you need to survive. Don't worry about it. All good. Australia is going halfway between you guys and is going and paying $1,500 to work to employers saying, look, we're going to pay your employees wages so you can keep them in a job and that your business doesn't go under and we're going to help you with your rent as well, just to make sure not as many people lose their jobs because we just, our, our, yeah, social security isn't designed to handle it. So we're just kind of paying job, paying bosses to keep their employees on. The US is going with its one-off $1,200 loan because it is coming out of your taxes. Um, you, it, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's insane to see. If you're single and you make less than $75,000 a year, that's when you get it. If you are married, you have, you can make 150,000 or less. Um, I am, I fit in either one of those categories. Yeah, and that, with Australia, it's it's not it's barely means tested. So effectively, if you can prove your business has lost money, it will pay you. You know, they'll pay all your employees fifteen hundred dollars a fortnight to just stay on. Like I can still get, I have my full wage. I'm very lucky. I, but the government is the government. So the government has been in, but effectively, they've gone to my boss and gone, look, we will pay fifteen hundred dollars out of out of your out of my wage to just keep him on. So even if you've lost 30% of your business, we'll pay the difference in in wages and make sure that your employee keeps his wage and then he can pay his rent. You know, the government's putting a huge amount of money in to make sure that people don't lose their jobs and don't, uh, you know, that there isn't this huge wave of unemployment um, because they did have, when they when the first Monday of this crack came out, we, we lost you know, 6 million people lost their jobs and it's in the States. The numbers are horrifying. Yeah. Um, at, you know, we had just gotten our unemployment down to the lowest it had been in years. And then this hit mm -hmm. and they're looking at, you know, they're looking at unemployment hitting what 19% by the summer. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, it's going to be really, really rough um, for the U S for a while. Uh, it, it, this is, no, <clears throat> sorry about that. No one could have predicted this. Uh, My worry no is, one... I'm, I'm worried more about the socioeconomic breakdown than I am about the virus itself, personally. So there's there's two interesting aspects. So I think you know I I don't believe that China would start this themselves um, for two reasons. A that that's a conspiracy theory to me. So a because China, well, there's three reasons. A when you go into biological warfare, you can pretty easily see. You know, countries have tend to have fingerprints. So, for instance, the U.S. with their biological weapon programs tend to have a pretty big fingerprint on who's made it. The Russians are terrible for it. You can you can almost tell down to which factory made it. Uh, and 
and and the Chinese are pretty bad for it as well. You can tell, and it hasn't got the the signs of this. The second one is that this thing broke out three weeks before China's biggest sales period, uh, the Chinese New Year period, uh, and they were desperate for the money because the economy hasn't been doing well. Um, so effectively, if they were going to do it, why would they launch it three weeks before their biggest trading period? And the third one is I called a friend of mine who works in uh, he works for the China effectively what's Chinese spy agency, but more the biological warfare side. And I called him and, and had a bit of a conversation and went, look, you know, hey, what's the deal with this? And he went, hey, if this was us, we would have launched it in the refugee camps in Paris rather than doing it in Wuhan. Um, the conspiracy know. revolves around, um, not the fact, but the assumption that they were developing a biological weapon and it got out. And so they're trying to cover it up. That's what the conspiracy revolves around. Yeah, but uh, having spent a lot of time in China myself, uh, the security there is ridiculously tight. Uh, I'm talking... You know, to get a domestic airport flight is eight searches usually for me, um, you know, and they'll get me on everything they can find. It would be very unlikely, you know, if, if they were to get the weapons out of the facility, which I, I don't know how they would, you know, to then drop it at a meet at a, at a wet market would just, there's too many like weird coincidences to happen that it just doesn't add up to me. Uh, a wet market having been in one being as disgusting as they are makes far more like even when I was in in the one in Beijing I went yeah this is this is cooked I can completely see why SARS broke out in one of these things the Um, question is is you know how much can we trust the reporting from China so it's an interesting question because China you know China's in a weird position that they underreport they they tried to cover up SARS and everyone held them their feet to the fire over it and and they've never recovered from that it was a huge blow to Chinese prestige when they held that up uh, they did try to cover up the first couple of weeks of this thinking they might be able to contain it quietly um, but the numbers, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chinese are underreporting numbers, but again, they've taken the strictest uh, quarantine measures absolutely possible. We're talking uh, you're effectively locked into a tiny apartment. You can only send one member of your family who's designated to go out and get food once a week. Uh, you must, you know, there's guards on every crossing, there's guards on every, every apartment block. Italy uh, done something know. similar though? Yeah, Italy. The trouble with Italy is the fact they're not policing it. They've they've called everyone into their apartments, but a lot of people are just flaunting it. So particularly in the south, a lot of older Italians who are you know uh, screw the law. I, I you know I'm I'm 94. I've lived through the war. Who cares? Uh, are just walking around. They're ignoring it, and that's you know I have an Italian father-in-law. I can fully understand that. So um, you know. Yeah, it makes sense to me why it, you know Italy's a bit different to China like that. China, they have locked it in and there's very, very strict measures. So it doesn't surprise me that they're doing better than most countries who have less strict quarantine. So I, I'm not surprised the Chinese numbers are looking good. Um, they are also like months ahead of us. Remember, this thing broke out in December for them. Right. Well, I mean, I, I have to, without conspiracy, I have to say that I have to say, well, it, it, they first reported in December. Which means it, it broke out a little before that. I don't know how how long before that, but it broke out before that. So I, I can tell you from uh, sitting on um, some classified classified rooms uh, and committees that yeah, it's from all reports I've read, and I've read some pretty high level reports on this one. They're saying December nineteenth is the first case. Uh, December the Chinese government know about it by December twentieth. 
they report it to the WHO. They try covering up, and they report it to the WHO on December 31st, uh, and then it goes to Trump on the 2nd, uh, and then it gets to our gut. I guess to our, it gets our government on the third, uh, and then we have our first committee meeting. Uh, we had our first high-level committee meeting about it on the fourth, and we had our first delegate and state levels uh, just after Australia Day on the twentieth. Um, so, or just before Australia Day, sorry. So that's the timeline that all of us are looking at. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, we could be wrong, but that's generally I, I haven't seen many credi- credible sources to go against that. So, do you um, think that we're handling it correctly then? it's very hard to say because we're still in the middle of this thing. You know, look, you know, we, we could look, you know, we could all point to the Netherlands and say, ha ha ha, what idiots you've let so many people die. And then when the second wave comes along and they're all immune, we'll go, Oh, actually that might've been a good idea. Um, you know, it's way too early to say any of this. That's the trouble with this disease is it moves so quickly. Um, I think that there could be a lot of moves faster from the U S to, to get ahead of this thing. Um, but you know, it's, it's very hard to say. Well, I'll tell you from, from my standpoint and what I see, and I I work for a college now, I work for a community college out here, excuse me. And, um, we, the, as far as I can tell, everything is fluid. Everything is day to day, you know, okay, we're going to do this. Okay. We're going to try this. Okay. That didn't work. We're going to do this. Okay. Let's try this now. Okay. Now we're moving on to this. And, and, and I think the reaction like that is what has instilled the panic you know what has instilled the panic uh uh, just among our population in general um uh, people went out out here and they bought all the toilet paper and i'm not sure why um (laughs) i I went out and bought ammunition (laughs) you know i mean i figure (laughs) when push comes to shove and the socioeconomics uh, fall and we have this socioeconomic breakdown i um i win you you can throw your toilet paper at me all you want (laughs) but i win So I, I'm not quite sure. Um, I'm not quite sure if if it's being handled correctly, or if you know, or if or if maybe we're 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 being so we're being forced to make decisions so quickly that maybe we're not. Maybe it's better to take a day or two, sit back and and think about you know, and get some get some advice and think about what is right, what is wrong. Um, I, you know, I, I gotta be honest, I'm still not 100% convinced. Yes, I do the social distancing. I'm back and forth between, I'm actually back and forth between Riverside County and Orange County. And so Mm. my girlfriend and I have two, two houses. And so, you know, uh, one week we're at my house, the other week we're at her house and we're just kind of back and forth and back and forth. And it's her, me, her son and my son. And we're just kind of back and forth and back and forth. So we've been practicing the social distancing. We've been uh, you know, we've been abiding by the rules because there are the rules and that's what we should do. But I have to say, the, the longer it goes on, the less convinced I am. And that, that is the trouble. I mean, people are, are willing to be quarantined for it's, it's the classic, you know, is the classic airport problem that if you tell if you come across the, uh, the, the PA and say, uh, you know, flight 441 to Chicago, you know, you're, you're going to be delayed by four hours, people lose their minds. But if you say, a small delay, probably half an hour, and then you keep saying half an hour. People tend to just, oh, it's annoying, okay, and they get through it. The trouble, again, but it comes down to we don't know enough about this thing. And if, you know, particularly with the U.S. election coming up, if let's say they were to go, oh, this is nothing, don't worry about it, and then six million Americans die, you will be damn sure that will be the thing that people take to the polls. Um, 
understood that. And yeah, I understand that. Yeah, for sure. Particularly as, as people are now going, well, caution seems to have everyone else seems to be going. You know, and again, it will be every meeting that you have from here to Kingdom Come. Well, well, but Singapore, you know, it was the same with us. We had our schools open longer than most people did because the government wasn't, you know, all the experts were saying, look, it's going to put too much pressure on, on you know, our society, take the schools down because obviously the, the nurses would have to leave the workforce. You know, let's leave them open until it gets in the community. You know, but obviously every day we were hearing every press conference, oh, but Singapore's doing this, but Korea's doing this, but China's doing this. You know, I could get how the US would... You know, when they're seeing, you know, it's difficult to make decisions based on what other countries are doing because other countries are very different. Um, the U.S., though. In the U.S., we've never dealt like anything with anything like this before. We've never dealt with this kind of thing. Well, you dealt with Spanish flu, uh, which was god awful for you guys. Um, I mean, I wasn't alive. So, yeah. so nobody, nobody that I know, including my parents, remember any of that. My parents, you know, my dad was born in 1938. Nobody remembers that. Hmm. Yeah, this is this is all new territory for everyone. No one knows how to handle it. In particular, is you know, nineteen eight like the Spanish flu from from most estimates actually started in Kansas of all places, and it came over with the American doughboys in in World War One, uh, and then spread through the disease filled trenches pretty quickly. Uh, it's called Spanish flu because all, all, because the war was on. All the presses, all the press in every country was completely censored and locked down. And no one reported a flu because it might hurt war morale. The Spanish were a neutral press at the time, and they did report it, which is why it's called Spanish flu. Um, the yeah, that ripped through the U.S. and it, but the U.S. at that time were less dense housing. People didn't travel nearly as much. People were a, a, almost healthier than they are today. Um, you know, so it, it, we are in a far worse position. But I think I, I said this from the start. This is going to be a really rough disease, but the economics of it is going to be even worse. The economics uh, is what I'm worried about the most, for sure. You know, the the trouble is, even with this U.S. you know this twelve hundred dollar stimulus, people are going to burn through it. I mean, if they're burning through, like the the crazy the U.S. has in the developed world has the highest rate of people who are one paycheck away from bankruptcy. So your bankruptcies are already up. And that's going to get worse. So people are, you know, even if they burn through this 1200 bucks and pay the bills, you know, they're going to start thinking, well, I need money somewhere. Uh, and a lot of businesses aren't hiring. And that's when you start getting to crisis levels. Uh, how, if it turns violent, that would be horrifying uh, to watch, which is why our government very, very quickly started paying everyone to make sure that people didn't get desperate and they didn't start fighting each other. Um it would be interesting to see if the U.S. could do something similar. Well, at this point, uh, so I went to go buy ammunition. Speaking of that, um, I went to go yeah. buy ammunition, and I, when I walked in, you know, they did. We did the social distancing. They allowed three people in at a time, and you know, yeah, stay yeah. six feet apart, and all of that. And uh, when I went in, uh, all the gun cases were completely empty. And uh, and I yeah. asked the guy, I said, "Well, where are all your guns?" And he said, "Oh, he, we put them out every morning." And I was there at twelve fifteen in the afternoon. Yep. And he said, we put them out every morning and by, by noon, this is what they look like. He said, we'll put them out again tomorrow morning and they'll be gone. And so in the United States, people are starting to freak out. Um, and so I'm, I'm wondering kind of where that is all heading. I'm wondering where, where that, you know, it makes me more and more concerned. And the, the guy next to me, uh, at the, at the counter was, he was buying a thousand rounds. And yep. I thought to myself, I'm not buying nearly, nearly enough. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just, I didn't feel like I was buying enough. I was buying 300 rounds. I'm like, well, all right. I guess, I guess you win, you know? Um, but I just, you know, I think the, 
even though, you know, like you, you can find toilet paper now, you can find, you know, there was a point, there was a point out here where all the meats were gone. All the toilet paper was gone. All the paper towels were gone. All yeah. I mean, you, you still can't find hand sanitizer anywhere out here, which is kind of beyond me because I still think to myself, it's antibacterial. This is a virus. What are you doing? Okay, whatever. <laughs> yes, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't, you know, people's thought process is a little skewed at this point. People again, the when I talked, the two big things, the two big stories that kind of always stick out to me is how crazy people are at the moment. Is the fact that we had a period here where all our shops were empty as well, and uh, we have um, we call them bottle shops, but you guys would call them liquor stores. Uh, our liquor our liquor stores were effectively it was funny, all out of beer apart from Corona beer, <laughs> uh, which just boggled. Like you know, I was I. I I had a meeting with the Minister for Health Health over here recently and I was chatting with him about all this and he goes, oh, the amount of random emails I get through to my PA is in, is mind-boggling. He's having guys uh, ask him if they Google bleach, um, will that solve the problem? You know, if they don't order Amazon packages from China, will that, can I not get it then? You know, it's, you know, it, there's so much, the, there's a, even the Russians are getting in on it now. They put a disinformation campaign, or a lot of disinformation into Europe at the moment, but they put one out in Belgium that effectively, if you hold a hairdryer in your mouth for five minutes, it will dry the virus out. Uh, and five women in Belgium have died from this. There is so much disinformation about this virus going on at the moment. And people actually bought that. People bought it. It's Part shocking. of that is thinning the herd. I mean, come on. <laughs> there's definitely some Darwin Awards. Yeah, let's let's there's be definitely. honest with that. It's it's it, it that's a, that's a little drastic. You have to. Yeah. If you don't have the common sense, I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That seems ridiculous. Who's gonna hold a hairdryer in their mouth and think that's gonna do the trick? Who is gonna think Corona beer will will give you Corona? It's just buy all that Corona beer. I'd be just fine with that. That wasn't bo- That wouldn't bother me. Oh, it boggles my mind. Um, like even even I went in. I, I my drink of choice is vodka, uh, just for you know personal reasons. I went in and bought a couple of bottles because I knew the bottle just in case they were going to put restrictions in. And the guy's like, "Oh, you're going to wash your hands with it?" I was like, "Well, no, I'm going to drink it because this is not strong enough to wash my hands." What are you talking about? Um, Pete, there is there is so much disinformation. The interesting thing, friend, is him and his him and his girlfriend spent uh, spent a night making using vodka, making hand sanitizer, and I'm like, wow, that's okay, that's that's what you did, huh? I'm like, you so, just totally wasted your alcohol. Yeah, which frankly, uh, the first thing I bought to stock, the only thing I've stockpiled is vodka. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, out here you um, can find I can I'm a beer drinker, I like Stella, and um, yeah. you know I I can I can always find Stella, I can always find beer. Um, I, you know, I can find Stella, I can find 805, I can find Corona, I'll drink Corona, I don't care. Beer is not the issue out here. It's, it, it was, and now you can find those fresh meats and stuff, but there was time where, where there, just a week ago, you couldn't find, I walked into the store and the entire meat section was gone. It was empty. Mm. And all the toilet paper was empty. And I, I just could not, could not believe it. Well, it's it's panic. People are people are sheep. People people. You know, we're very. You know, again, again, I, I say this all the time that we are effectively still running. You know, we are running this amazing Windows XP with a computer made in nineteen ninety five, and that is our that is our brains. Yeah, now we absolutely. are trying to run these 
very high concepts and philosophies on monkey wiring effectively. And I, I, you know, I, I walked like the other day I walked through a shop and there was a, a few rolls, a few packets of toilet paper. And I went, Oh my God, toilet paper. And I grabbed one and bought one and I bought it home. My girlfriend was like, we've already got like seven rolls. I was like, you got home oh, and I you realized I just did I, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, just, it just clicked. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'd like to think I'm a smart ish person. And I was like, man, I've just, I've done the same thing. I've seen toilet paper. I know it's people are buying it. So I panicked and bought it. Um, you know, it, it, people, people tend to panic, you know, if they think that something's going to like the classic example, usually uh, actually exactly this day, usually every year, you know, our liquor stores are open every day, of the year except good Friday. We all close our liquor stores Good Friday. Uh, so on the day before, so the Thursday before Good Friday, Australian liquor stores usually sell out or, or get very close to it. People raid them because the liquor store is closed for one day. People panic because they go, oh, well, I, I, oh, oh like people drive home and they go, oh, well, oh, I can't get booze tomorrow, so I better buy three bottles tonight just in case. You know, people are panicky creatures where you know we're prey animals we're prey wiring well and in this day and age especially i mean we have so much news from so many different sources and 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 even i mean if you get on facebook uh, people believe satirical articles and i don't know why they believe satirical articles they don't realize they're satire they don't realize they're satire you know they don't get it they, they they just run with it and they i can't believe this happened and you have to you have to remind people to not get your news from irreputable sources all the time, particularly also the fact that news is now particularly like it, Australia is very weird. We take we watch way more U.S. television than we watch our own. So you can go around Australia and ask people. You know, most people don't know who the deputy prime minister is, but they know all eight Democratic nominees. And really? What they stand for. That's funny. Yeah. We know far more about U.S. politics than we do about our own. So people all the time. So people effectively would like. You know, they'll come, you know, to the office or they'll come and talk. Oh, I've just seen there's another, you know, 6,000 cases today. I'm like, yes, in the US, but we're in Australia. There's 106 new cases today. Very different story. What are you talking about? You know, yeah, if you watch, if you only watch the panicky news, because it makes the best headlines, it's the most grabbing, then yes, I can see very much how you get panicked. Yes. You know, it's, it's much easier to sell ad space when people are scared and, and worried than it is to go, have some boring person, you know, I'm really sorry, but the numbers are going up by 2.8%, which is actually about as expected for the projections that we have. You know, that <laughs> right, kind of yeah, thing doesn't sure. so much ad space. It excites, you know, me and four other boring committee members, and that's about it. Yeah, no, totally. No, I, I hear you. And that's that's the, I mean, that's the problem with the world we live in, in my opinion, is mm. uh, people, you know, people will follow, you know, you'll get somebody who watches CNN, and that's all they yeah. watch and they follow CNN and they believe CNN and you get somebody else who will watch Fox News and they follow Fox News and they they believe Fox News and that's all they that's all they believe in. And so whatever they tell them, that's what they get. That's it. That's all yeah. they got. That's there's nothing. There's nothing in between. Uh, you know, I try to watch all of them and, yeah. and I, I, I get amazed at the spin that gets put on it. And I, I say it on every one of my podcasts. At some point I bring it up and I don't know why. But I, I get amazed at the fact that, you know, CNN and Fox News will report the same thing. But and, and if you if you pull out all the filler words <clears throat> and if you pull out all that silly stuff that they say around it and just pull out the facts, they're both saying the same thing. But yeah, yeah. but it's all about ratings. It's all about ratings. It's all about how much ad, ad space you can sell. And, and, you know, everything shows one of the biggest drivers of human behavior because we are prey animals uh, is 
fear. Fear is a fantastic way to motivate or sell people. For sure. I, I don't know. It yeah. just kind of blows my mind. So what do you think yeah. is the what do you think is the best way for us as as a people? Right? Let's 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 ignore the political stuff. Let's ignore the media stuff then. What is the best way then for us as a people to handle this situation? Uh, I mean, we talked about herd immunity, herd immunity versus containment. Let's ignore that as well. Is it right to, I mean, let, let's, try and, let's try and calm people down here is what I'm, what I'm kind of yeah. asking. What, what, what would your advice be to so, the panic? So my advice to everyone and has been to almost everyone I know is to ignore the, the tabloids, ignore your, you know, your Foxes, your CNNs, your, 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 your Murdoch papers, any of that kind of stuff, and just go to you know, guys like John Hopkins University, your, your national broadcasters, so BBC, a, for us, ABC, for you guys, it'd be PBS, um, who those guys don't have to worry about advertising, so they tend to give very dry vanilla numbers. And yes, it's going to be a man in a cardigan saying very dry, boring numbers, but that's exactly what you kind of want in this time. Uh, I, I, you know, and, you know, when it might, you know, if I have tax problems, I want to have a very boring accountant tell me what's wrong. I don't want him to fluff it. Um, pay, just stay away from your really, really, you know, uh, you know, your One American Network, your Fox News, your CNN. Those guys are, are going to be, you know, trying to make this as big a story as they can. Just follow the advice of the CDC. Follow the advice of, of your, your PBSs, your ABCs, your BBCs, because they're going to be reporting very dry numbers, you know, if most people play this smartly, you know, avoid social contact, stay home when they can, you know, you know, don't even panic shop. I mean, particularly the US, you are a food net exporter. You have all the food you need. You're not going to run out of food. That's no, there's no problem with that one. No, for sure. Um, generally, if we if we all stay calm in this, we're fine. Which is what every government's desperately trying to do is just keep everyone calm because you know the worst thing we can do is. You know, we watch from the LA riots, we watch from the London riots, we watch from a few, a lot of these big events in history that things can go sour real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So for us, our government's doing a lot of work to just, you know, keep everyone calm. We're having our, our public broadcaster is pretty much switched to a just a coronavirus station at this point. Uh, and they just give us very dry updates and they have just the doctors come on. They don't have pundits around a table talking. It's just doctors and, and reporters and, and very dry-nosed guys. And I think that's probably the best thing the U.S. could ask for right now. Yeah. So it's uh, if you're going to get your news, everyone, um, get your news from the CDC, the WHO, uh, Worldometer to get real facts and, and updates, right? Not yet. Just ignore Facebook, ignore Twitter, the amount of just absolutely like the amount of people I see posting stuff saying 5G is causing this, even though that 5C, that's amazing to me. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite. <laughs> that's my, they're burning towers in Britain at the moment. That's um, are you serious. Yeah, they burnt, they, they've had six uh, 5G towers burnt down in Britain because people are freaking out. What people don't, and the biggest one that kind of I, I throw it out there and they never have an answer for it is, okay, if it's 5G, 5G is only available in five countries and we have like 120 countries with the disease now or over that now, why is that? And they go, oh, I, I don't know. Well, and why yeah, isn't okay. everybody that surrounds that 5G tower sick? Why is it only a few people? Yes. I mean, this is this is the same thing with the British and cholera where they all imagined it was miasma. It was, it was bad air that was causing it. You know, people 
people are, are, are you know they get they get in their little bubbles and they they only you know facebook particularly is bad for it because what it does is only if you um you know it, it if you uh you know you like certain posts all the time or you do anything like that it's going to continue to um show you posts that are like that right yeah, no, for sure. Oh, yeah, because it'll it'll pick up on what you want and what you view, and then it'll give you more of it. And so if you're viewing stuff that makes you scared, it's going to make you more scared. So effectively, I would just always advise get it from sources that you, you know are going to be dry. Don't get it from Facebook. Facebook just effectively shows you what they think you want to hear. You know, they're so easy to get down a rabbit hole with Facebook. that. Oh, yeah. You know, you know if you if you like lots of conspiracy pages, it's going to keep pushing conspiracy pages down your throat. Um you know, there's so many times where I've gone, well, that's, that's interesting. I didn't know Russian troops were, you know, you know, little, like little things like everyone, I saw a bunch of people in my kind of geopolitical sphere going, oh, you know, Russia's pulling Rozhneft out of, uh, you know, their gas company out of Venezuela. Is this the end of Russian influence of Venezuela? And then it wasn't until I went to a very dry source and went, no, they just moved all the assets from one company, one Russian-owned company to another Russian-owned company. Nothing actually changed. And it's all about yeah. context. It's all about... It's all, it's all about context. Um, but we need to just work together on this one. We don't... There's so many unknown questions and we just don't know how to handle it yet. And I don't think, you know, yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see how the U.S pans out of this because you guys are still shooting up in your numbers rather than leveling out like some countries are well and that's also another one of those scare techniques that bothers me uh maybe not a scare technique but uh, i want to say technique tactic maybe it's not a tactic but one of the things that's freaking people out is their projections they're projecting that we're going to spike and then um it's almost like um uh, who was it that predicted the end of the world and then said he was wrong and then predicted a new Nostradamus. Day. No, 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 yeah. not Nostradamus. I'm talking in the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, the Catholic guy. Um, uh, Yeah, I know his name. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's it's almost like that. You know, they predicted, oh, mid-April, and now mid-April's coming, and they're going, no, 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 I'm, we meant mid, mid-May. And they're, yeah. they're just they're just changing their prediction kind of on the fly. And 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 I know that, you know, from, you know, the doctors and, and the researchers, they're, they're doing the best they can. I get that. And I'm not, but, but maybe we need to sit back just a little bit before we start freaking the world out and understand how what we say is going to affect the rest of the world. So also there's a lot of different, you know, it's a very, there's a lot of variables in this, in the math that goes into this. So for instance, a huge part of the variables is, that the fact that once you hit hospital capacity, the numbers will immediately spike up because then hospitals, hospitals rather than treating everyone, will go, look, if you're over the age of 50, good luck, sorry, there's not enough beds, go away. Uh, and that's when your numbers start really, really, start really climbing. Um, so that's, that's also a, a bit of a panic in all this. Yeah, no, it is, it is. And, and out here, one of the biggest things they're worried about, you know, I, I teach in a healthcare program and we deal with ventilators and, you know, they, I've been in contact with the Department of uh, Health and Human Services. I've been in contact with um, uh, our county's uh, uh, Riverside University Health System. I've been in contact with um, uh, uh, somebody from Sacramento. I can't even remember her, her name. And then I've been in contact with somebody else who's trying to coordinate all of it. And I've had four or five different people call me and start to ask me uh, about, you know, volunteering up my equipment. And, and asking for my equipment. And I don't know who to give it to. I don't know who, you know, I, so I sat back and I said, look, when you guys need it and the state commandeers it, then 
they can have it. But until then, I, I don't know, you know, I, I'm not trying to play favorites with anybody. I don't know exactly what to do with all this stuff. Um, plus, we're also currently using it. We're still teaching, even though it's online, we're teaching now. And so we still need that stuff to teach our students so that they can actually graduate and enter this field where they can help. And so it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of weird. I don't think that anybody really has a great grasp on what's going on. You have so many hands in the, in the jar that everybody's trying to do the same job. I don't know exactly who to listen to and who to grab onto. Yeah, and that's that's the trouble. Particularly, is it's a weird patchwork over there between the states all bit at trying to bid each, bid each other for the for the equipment, which is crazy for most countries. Um, you know, uh, yeah, like there's it, it comes down to the fact that like we've had the same thing. Our private hospitals didn't have much in reserve because why would a private hospital have stuff in reserve? You know, if they're you know, a private hospital is going to try and run as run at as least cost as they can, so they don't keep a hundred ventilators sitting in the basement. Uh, our, so effectively, we've moved a lot of our private stuff public at the moment um, because the fact that we just need to get every, as much as we can across the board. Um, so yeah, that's no. I don't think anyone was ready, you know, particularly in the private sector, was ready for how you know who could have predicted coming into this that we'd have you know this many people needing ventilators. Um, it's just crazy times. Yeah, no, it, it is, it is, and so. If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here. Yep. Um, but just kind of as a, as a final thought from me, uh, you know, do what you need to do. Social distance. That's what we're doing out here. It, you know, whatever, whatever the state, whatever the government, whatever the county's telling you to do, do those things, whether you believe it or not. And you guys have heard that, you know, I'm not exactly buying into it. Even having been in healthcare for 24 years, I still don't quite buy into it, but Still, it doesn't mean you don't do what you're supposed to do. So, um, you know, as soon as I get a mask, yes, I'll start wearing it in public, even though I think it's kind of silly, but I'll still do it because that's what they're asking me to do. Um, don't buy all the damn toilet paper. Leave some of that shit on the shelf. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, leave it alone. Uh, you know, leave me, leave me some chicken. Leave me some steak. I'd like to eat some sometime. That would be awesome. Um, but don't panic. Just stop and think before you're doing things. That would be kind of what, what, what I would go with in terms of this. Let's, let's use our minds. Let's use our common sense. You know, if you hear something, fact check it. Always fact check. Don't, don't just run with something. Don't let somebody tell you something, especially right now. Don't let somebody tell you something and just believe it. Take a, take a minute. Do some research on your own. It takes you 10 minutes to research it. If you can't find it, it doesn't exist. It's that simple. Google has everything. If it's there, Google's got it. If you can't find it on Google they were wrong. That's the way I look at it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Also, also don't trust, you know, if it's got dot Patriot dot something. Oh at the yeah. End of it, it's, it's usually not great. If it's got, you know, dot RU at the end of it, it's probably not safe either. <laughs> uh, if, if it's got like natural organic crystal news is probably not your best news site either. Right. Trust, you know, trust you guys who aren't getting, aren't getting advertising money. Trust the guys who are just there to be fact reporters. And if he's wearing a cardigan and he looks like he's never been, he hasn't been on a date since 1984, he's probably the guy you need right now. <laughs> yeah, you can probably trust him, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Michael, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate having you. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's, um, it's about, it's almost one fifteen your time. So I'm going to let you yeah. go. We're going to, 
We're going to close up shop here, um, let you get some sleep. Um, I'd love to have you on again in a couple months and see where we're at, if you don't mind. Would love to be back. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. And, and for everybody uh, who's listened this long, uh, one last time, uh, what is your podcast? My podcast is the my podcast is the Red Line. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, all the major places. Um, and it's it's just a deep dive into geopolitics. So if you want to get into the real cardigan nuts and bolts, you know, you want to learn about private militaries, you want to learn about Venezuela, you want to walk in. You know, the whole idea is over that hour you can go from knowing virtually nothing about Venezuela to walking out understanding what's going on, why it's happening, and the geopolitical ramifications and where it's going in the future because we have a panel of you know, the White House, Oxford, Harvard, Cambridge, the CIA, MI6, all the biggest experts you could possibly ask for sitting on a panel and talking about, you know, the biggest issues affecting our news. See, and that's really awesome. I've listened to a, I listened to a couple of them, and uh, I'll tell you guys, it's actually very informative and it's really interesting information. So, Michael, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, for the rest of you guys, you have questions, comments, you want us to revisit something, uh, garagetalkpc at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, iHeart, uh, iTunes, all the major podcast uh, sites as well. Um, Michael, again, thank you so much. And um, if, uh, if you don't mind, stay on the line just a minute uh, afterwards just so I can say goodbye. Uh, but I'm going to stop the recording. I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a good day. Yeah.